Warning, the Our Voice podcast contains explicit language and may not be suitable for listeners of all ages. Listener discretion is advised. Silenced. I'm your host, Anthony Montrulo. I'm joined by my co-host, LaDonna Loki. LaDonna, how you doing? Good, how are you? Good, good. Um, so, we have a lot of stuff to talk about this week, uh, needless to say. I, I I was mentioning to LaDonna earlier, I ended up cutting like four or five things from the rundown because there's just so much uh, going on this week. But like literally right before we started recording, I noticed this... Uh, tweet storm i guess on twitter uh that i really wanted to share with everybody because i thought it's really good um it's actually from the dsa's official uh twitter account uh, mm-hmm. at, at them socialists um and it's regarding labor day and i actually wanted to do a more extensive thing about labor day on this episode i just didn't really have too much time to gather the research um but i think a lot of people say, like think about labor day and they think and it they almost kind of equate equate it as like almost like a patriotic holiday, which right. is which is real baffling to me because <laughs> Labor Day is really actually to honor the people who fought and in some cases died to make sure that we have fair uh, rights as workers and you know the same rights that are being eroded now. You mean yeah yeah the, the rights that have been slowly eroding and you know now now are on a fast track but they've been eroding for you know. Pretty much since 1980. Um, but <laughs> but no, I mean, it's so the DSA actually uh, tweeted out a bunch of concrete examples, so I just want to go through a few of them. Uh, good morning, all. With Labor Day just a few days away, we are going to highlight some strikes and labor struggles throughout American history. Uh, the 1912 Lawrence Textile Strike in Massachusetts, three dead, 296 arrested, fighting for the 54-hour work week. Not even the 40-hour work week. Yeah. That's <laughs> fucking... Uh, 20,000 workers went on strike. So that's, that's fucking awesome. Uh, the strike committee put together by the Socialist Party and the IWW, which is the uh, International Workers of the World, uh, arranged for its meetings to be translated into 25 different languages. Uh, the Colorado Labor Wars of 1903 and 1904... Uh, the Colorado National Guard imposed martial law in order to put down the miners' strikes. We wouldn't know what that looks like. <laughs> or anything like that. <laughs> Not like they do that at the behest of oil companies now. Um, yeah. ma- many labor historians say that uh, there's no episode in American labor history more violent than the Colorado Labor Wars. 32 miners were killed. During the Telluride strike, the famous uh, Is, Car- Is Colorado in America poster was created. Uh, condemning martial law and the brutal worker suppression. Uh, and there's a quote. Colorado, dark land of tyranny, land wherein labors bled, land from which law has fled, bound to... Oh, this, this is to the, the tune of uh, Let Freedom... Uh, my country tis of thee. Bound, uh, so it's Colorado, dark land of tyranny, land wherein labors bleed, 
Land from which law has fled, bow down thy mournful head, capital is king. Um, that's pretty good. The miners were fighting for the eight-hour workday. Uh, under martial law, the Colorado National Guard carried out deportations of union workers. Um, so that's, that's, that's a real uh, measured response. The Ludlow Massacre of Miners uh, and the Families in, of, in 1914 in Colorado. 25 killed, including two women and 11 children. Uh, the entire Ludlow, Colorado strike costs over 100 lives and is often described as the deadliest strike in U.S. history. Um, and there's a few more here, but it's, it's just like, I think people like hear Labor Day and they think like, oh yeah, it's a day to, to give people a day off and celebrate workers. It's like, this is what you should, it, I think Labor Day should really only be almost treated like Memorial Day, where you remember the people that literally fought and died to make sure you have basic rights because corporations are so soulless that they will literally kill workers before they pay them a fair wage or give them, you know. Well, even, even Memorial Day is treated more like the beginning of picnic season and, you yeah. know, gather cookouts and stuff. Even that one, I don't think is, is given the respect or reverence that it deserves. But yeah, clearly people have lost touch with what the labor movement was all about. It was interesting. I saw this article on Fast Company um, that I shared out today. It says, meet the millennial who's trying to save the labor movement with a Facebook for unions. And he created this app called Union Base. It's like a social network for union members and to help people organize. And so, you know, I think it'll be interesting to see how millennials treat this, but clearly there is a priority for them to um, bring back organized labor and to be able to um, unify in that way again, because Rikers, workers' rights have been so eroded um, over the last, you know, 20, 30 years with right to work and everything else that it's time to bring some of this back. Yeah, and I mean, it, it almost directly coincides with the absolute just crushing of labor uh, labor unions under the boot heel of, you know, starting really with Reagan back with the uh, air traffic controller strike, where mm -hmm. he just, you know, fired them all, which is super illegal, or it was at least previously, I mean, right. you know. um, so, and just, it's been slowly eroded since then, uh, helped in large part by a lot of the policies of Bill Clinton and Barack Obama. So, I mean, it's just, you know, we, we, we've, we've let the, the corporations totally erode workers' rights, and we wonder why people, uh, you know, millennials are just people coming into the workforce now don't even really know what unions are. I mean, like, they don't, you know, it, it's just not a thing that exists. Like, I, I've been in one union in my life, and it's only because uh, when I was, like, 16, and working at A&P because they had a laborers' union, but nowhere else I worked. I mean, I worked at CVS uh, for years, and it's just one of the worst fucking places. I mean, fuck you, CVS. Like, it's one of the worst... <laughs> places in the world to work and well so many places that you know they're told they're not allowed to you know form a union yeah. or or that if there's any talk or discussion of unions they have to report it to management right away so um they, yeah yeah and they do whatever they possibly can within the bounds of legality to intimidate you and threaten you even though it's supposed to be illegal to threaten people with firing for trying to form a union but you know, right. <laughs> those laws aren't enforced the same way antitrust laws aren't enforced. So, you know, no. um, yeah. So, I, you know, I, I just, uh, as, as we come up into Labor Day, remember why we're actually, you know, not celebrating it, but why, why we're remembering it. And May Day is actually the really important one. That's the one I, I think that's really 
focused on on those ty- on those types of revolutionary uh, union unionists who fought for all the rights that we have today. Forty hour work. Well- you know, and that 54 hour work week, I mean, depending on the job you have, that could be soul crushing. Just, just oh that. So. I, 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 would, I mean, 40 hours is brutal enough. I mean, I, you know, yeah, it's just, yeah. I mean, you should not have to work 54. And the other thing now is people work 60 hours a week and can't even afford housing so, or you right. know, just to live in an apartment. So, you know, <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with this picture? Republicans and always I, talk about, like, bootstraps. Well, yeah, okay, I'm sorry. If you're working two jobs, 60 hours a week, and you can't afford to fucking live, uh, where are the bootstraps, that, that, that these mythical bootstraps that you can pull yourself up by? Like, I'd love to I'd love to see them. <laughs> I agree completely. I, I think some people um, that have had success don't acknowledge the privileges that got them there. I've encountered this quite a bit in GOP circles where – um, you know, they, they think that somehow their unique talents and their just superior skill, you know, it, it's, it's, you know, magical, but, but everyone can do it. And, um, they don't acknowledge the advantages that they had that, that other people may not have and that the fight may be harder. And that once you're in poverty getting out of it is extremely difficult. Yeah. So I think there's a lot that's overlooked and the piece with corporations that I don't get is. At what point is enough enough? At what point is, you know, the greed to such a point where workers can no longer afford basic things? They can't afford to buy the items the corporations are selling. Like, doesn't that ever occur to them? They don't even give a shit. Well, see, the thing is, a lot of those CEOs are really old. So, like, ah, fuck it. I'm going to die. I don't really give a shit. Right. I can, right. I'll run the clock out on this. That's why Mark Zuckerberg is pushing UBI because he's like, oh, fuck, I'm young. I'm going to be around <laughs> when they break down the doors of my mansion and... <laughs> You know, bring me out to the guillotine. So I better fucking placate these people before. <laughs> um, but like the CEOs of the Fortune 500 companies, they're like, ah, fuck it. I, I, I think I, I, I think I could run the clock out on this one. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just, uh, I don't know. <laughs> um, oh, well. Um, so yeah, uh, you know, that, that that's something important to remember. But we should get into the news of the week because there's quite a bit of it. Um, so Hurricane Harvey obviously happened. Uh, that was, you know, just an absolutely devastating uh, Category 4, I believe, hurricane when it hit the coast uh, of Texas, and you know, in the Gulf. That and- footage is just heartbreaking. I mean, you know, the, the toddler that was found, you know, clinging to its dead mother's body. And I mean, just, just these stories are so horrific. But then, you know, in all of that, it's like the Mr. Rogers thing where you, you look for the heroes, you look for the people that are in there, you know, doing good. And, and there's so much of that happening as well, that you have to remember that in all of the heartbreak, that there are these amazing people doing good amidst the price gouging and people charging 20 bucks for water. Yeah, no, I mean, I, you know, that, that, that's true. It was, it was really hard to watch a lot of that stuff. And, and, and you know, it really gives you flashbacks to Katrina and like all just the horrible and even Sandy and all the horrible shit, you know, I was like, no, what were you going to say? No, I was just going to say that, you know, and it's, it's interesting because, you know, the same Republicans that fought against, you know, Mike Pence up there, you know, fighting against (laughs) helping for, for Katrina or, you know, Sandy or any of that. And it's like, and you know, now they're all saying, Oh, we should do this. What the hell is the difference now? You know, like it's in a, a red state, so we need well, to do totally that. They're fucking lying about it. It's so it's right. so disgusting. And even Chris Christie, of all fucking people, one of the most disgusting human beings in the world called him out for this. Because uh, <laughs> Ted Cruz, uh, people rightly were like, hey, 
uh, you know, you're the senator from Texas and you're asking for hurricane relief, but you didn't want to give it to the uh, families affected by Sandy. What the fuck? Mm-hmm. And, and he was like, oh, well, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the Sandy bill has uh, had a lot of pork in it. It had like two thirds uh, pork in it. And and which is just not fucking true. You know, the Sandy right. bill, John Stewart held it up on air. It was one fucking page. It was one page. <laughs> it literally was one page. It, 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 it was just a fucking blatant lie by the Republicans to, to you know, for and, and people still believe it. And, you know, he, he, Ted Cruz can still get away with it on TV. And the news anchors, the, the fucking actors on CNN and MSNBC who interview him don't say, well, no, that's not true. Why are you lying to the American people, Senator Cruz? Like, what the fuck? Do your jobs. Like, that's not yeah, true. Yeah, they don't hold them accountable at all. It's, it's just not true. It's a lie. And fucking, uh, you know, it, it, it took forever to get them relief because the Republicans were holding up that relief just for political motives, I guess, political gain, because it happened to a bunch of liberals in New York, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> um, but no. I don't get it. Families are suffering. I see no reason, you know, why why our country shouldn't help. And I don't understand a single person that um, that is against that. I, I don't no, get it, GOP or whatever you are. <laughs> yeah, no, it's fucking insane. If, if anyone is affected by any kind of natural disaster in this country, we should help them no matter who the fuck it is. And that goes for liberals, too. A lot of whom I saw on Twitter being like, oh, well, maybe if they voted for Hillary, this would... Like, like what? The, the fucking hurricane wouldn't have happened? Like, what? Yeah. Like, shut the fuck up. Or, oh, the, the response would have been better. You know, it's like, just... People I just so feel like with to... the GOP that if ever there was a role for government, if ever there was an argument as to, you know, what role government should play or where they're needed, this would be the kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> this is where we need them. Step well, in. <laughs> I think I think most Republicans are actually on board for this because it's, you know, their constituents, so they'll they'll be okay with providing relief because it's again that whole republican thing of when it affects them personally they're all about it same with gay marriage same with every fucking issue in the world you know but um you know there the, like you said there was a lot of um stories of heroes uh during during harvey uh one one of those uh <laughs> one person conspicuously missing from that list i would say is uh joel osteen who uh, just, uh, <laughs> I'm sure you saw this week, uh, just got fucking flambayed by Twitter for his just absolutely piss poor response. Uh, Joel Osteen, for anyone that doesn't know, is just the slimiest of fucking snakes that you, like, he's he's one of those, you know, mega church preachers. He, he, he's just this absolute ghoul of a human being you look at him you're like i you kid i don't know how anyone believes a word he says like truthfully like you listen to him speak it's just like he's so fucking fake like i don't know how anyone buys his bullshit and he's got this huge i mean this mega church there are bales of money coming in yeah sixteen thousand seat stadium or arena and um it turns out he uh he actually got a lot of public funding to help him refurbish that it used to be the uh Houston Rockets uh, basketball arena, and then they got a new arena, and I guess he took it over and turned it into this mega church because you know that's what Jesus would have wanted, I, I assume. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, lo and behold, you know, Joel Osteen preaches uh, this this thing which I I just learned about because I you know <laughs> I guess I'm not up on my Catholicism. Uh, it's <laughs> called prosperity gospel, which is essential, but I which I knew the concept, I just didn't know that that was something that people were so shameless that they actually would like, you know, identify themselves as preaching. But, um, 
it's which is basically the the concept of tithing or like if you give me money you know or plant the seed it'll it'll grow back and it'll come back to you 10 times as much grifting for televangelists yeah, fucking grifting <laughs> like it, it's just and it, he's taking advantage of some maybe some of the most vulnerable and you know poor people and it's just like so fucking disgusting he's so disgusting man's got a 10.5 million dollar mansion i mean you see this thing it's like el chapo's mansion it's fucking beautiful it's like it, it's insane and it's like the, the, this this guy is your fucking conduit to jesus like really the... well and it was funny because his first message out was sort of like you know trying to say that they were helping with it but it was really a link to donate to his church <laughs> yeah. so people got on him about that and then, you know, afterwards, you know, he came back and he said, you know, they were like, why don't you open your church, you know, as a shelter? And he said, well, I, and the city didn't ask me. I wasn't asked to do that. And it's like, well, neither were all of the mosques in the city, you know, that, that did it of their own free will because uh, people tend to need shelter in a natural disaster like this. And you have the biggest place in town and yeah, you're and, not and, doing you know, it. Some religious people actually do care about helping the sick and the poor and the, the needy and desperate and, yeah, no, I, the whole fucking saga was so comical if it wasn't so disgusting. I mean, the first thing was, like, he tweeted out, you know, my thoughts and prayers are with the victims of the hurricane. and some. And, Which I'm so sick of, thoughts yeah. and prayers. I, I mean, you know, I know it's the thing to say. It's That's the politically garbage. correct thing to say. But, you know what? No, don't give me your thoughts and prayers. Get up and do something. Yeah. Volunteer, you know, do something other than just your thoughts and prayers. It's bullshit. I don't need it anymore. I, I saw a funny meme, I think, on Twitter. It was like, hey... Look, the tr- the, su- the truck of uh, thoughts and prayer supplies just arrived, and it was just an <laughs> empty <not> truck. <laughs> but um, <laughs> it, but no, okay, so yeah, he so he initially tweeted that, and you know, rightfully got roasted by everybody. It was like, what the fuck, man? You're like this rich fucking con artist who scams these people for money. The least you can do is open up your church, your mega church, as a shelter to the people that probably come see you and give you money every fucking week. Um, and then supposedly they finally did. I, I read that they, they finally s- did. So there's actually even question about that. But um, <laughs> what happened? So, okay, so the saga was basically that the tweet happened, then a bunch of people roasted him, then he posted a hurricane relief uh, donation link, which, as you said, linked directly to his ministries. So he was right. fundraising. So his response <laughs> to, hey, you should open your church, you fucking slime ball, was. Okay, well, instead, how about you guys give me some more money? <laughs> like, <laughs> maybe you should pay me. <laughs> yeah, like what the fuck? And then, okay, so then, after amazing pressure, he eventually said, uh, "Well, okay, we'll we'll open uh, we'll open our doors as a um, as a supply pickup place, essentially." And and so then he was on like the View and a bunch of shows defending himself. And by the way, he always smiles, like no matter what the question is. It that's it's like the creepy. telltale sign of a fucking serial killer. Like he is just <laughs> there are fucking bodies zipped up in like plastic bags in the basement of that arena, I'm convinced. Completely psychopathic behavior. <laughs> yeah, no, it really is. So he um and he was on those shows and he was like, Well, you know, the 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 the, the state as you said, the state didn't ask me, so you know, I didn't think we needed to So again, you, you should have just done it on your own. But then he was like well, uh, you know, and, and, and the church had flooded before. And, like, he didn't say that it was flooded. He said it had flooded before. Right. So, like, in a previous... Th- and then he's like, well, and then, you know, some of the roads were impassable. But 
a bunch of people who lived in that area went and shot really sarcastic videos of themselves, but like, we're trudging through the flood to get to Joel Osteen's <laughs> church. We just want to see what the, it says the situation. And they were walking around in a, like, rain-slicked parking lot that had no no standing water whatsoever. <laughs> um, so he's full of shit. He's fucking full of shit. He literally gave so many excuses. Like, I thought he was just going to start being like, ah, oh, my, my suit was at the dry cleaners. Like, I let, you know, my... my <laughs> Okay, like he's just—I lost the keys. I couldn't open the door. Yeah, it's just disgusting. So you know, it just amazes me that anyone ever followed that guy. I mean, you know, put aside the way he looks, or you know, any of the uh, the cheesy preacher. I mean, just what he says, his message. I'm beside myself as to how anyone ever followed this guy and why it's taken something like this for people to wake up. Well, I watched one of his sermons because I was curious. it's such it, it's such like meaningless platitudes that mean fucking nothing. Like he'd be a great <laughs> spokesman for the Democrats, I think. Like they should really like hire him because he could totally, you know, he's he's good at sloganeering, but he just just saying a lot without saying a goddamn thing. A better afterlife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so fuck him. Um, but uh, you know, President Trump. This was his first big uh, test as president to see how he would deal with uh this disaster oh gold Um, star (laughs) (laughs) yeah really so you know uh we all remember fucking w's response to katrina you know uh, just the absolute fucking bungling of every aspect of that you know the the way fema handled it and then bush going down there and being like oh you're doing a heck of a job brownie like just everything about that was just so fucking mismanaged and people so many people died unnecessarily and it's like which gave them a map as far as I'm concerned for any future disaster. It gave them an absolute, all of the critiques of that gave you a map of here's what you do with this kind of thing moving forward. And what's been amazing this week is how many people are like, where was Obama during Katrina? (laughs) Um, First of all, not president yet. And second of all, down Um, there volunteering in in the Senate. (laughs) I believe actually he was just, he had just been elected to the Senate a year prior as a matter of fact. And then they're sending out pictures of Condoleezza Rice saying that was Michelle Obama and, you know, (laughs) she was somehow slacking, too, in the whole thing. I'm just like, Trumpsters, oh, my God, I I can't even. (laughs) I know, I know. And look, you know, we give Obama a lot of shit, and it's, I would say, deserved, but he handled Sandy, you know, about as well as he can handle that sort of situation. You know, he made sure the relief was there, even though the Republicans fought tooth and nail just to oppose him on it i mean it, you know he, he did a good job and he went down there he walked through the streets the flooded streets he surveyed the destruction he met with victims um trump didn't do any of that <laughs> and then there was melania in her high heels which was just really something yeah, I mean, like, that was ridiculous. i'm gonna go I, into a disaster zone but you know i'm gonna wear these like five inch heels yeah because i'm really gonna make an impact yeah, and I mean, like, I could give a shit, but, like, the, the, it, it did make clear that they were not there to go survey disaster areas. They were clearly there for the PR of, I got off a plane in Texas, and I yeah, surveyed I gave the her destruction. I gave her a pass, because I'm like, that's probably her, like, contractual uniform that she has to wear <laughs> those, so I so, gave her a pass, but... Uh, so, just a quick recap of what this fucking buffoon did when he was down there. He went and he spoke to a crowd, um... Uh, in Amarillo or so, nowhere close to Houston, nowhere close to the flooding. And he, and he talked about his crowd size. He was like, oh, look, 
<laughs> what what a nice crowd or what something to that effect. Um, like it was a rally. Yeah, like a fucking rally. Like the, he just has no. I mean, it, not that we thought he would have compassion, but he doesn't completely even, he, tone deaf. He's yeah. not even smart enough to fake compassion. It's so fucking <laughs> unbelievable. Like, and you know, and then, he has a team. He has. I, I I say this over and over again. He has. PR people, not only with, you know, his Trump organization, but, you know, with the White House that can help him on his messaging, that can write his speeches, that can do all of this. Yeah. And he still fucks it up. Well, you know, it's it's amazing what happens when you don't listen to your team, how fucking stupid <laughs> you can look. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, okay, and so then the other thing was the White House tweeted out a picture uh, saying something to the effect of Trump wit uh, w w first like witnessing firsthand the destruction of Harvey, and it was him sitting in the Situation Room looking at like a Doppler map, and that was like the best picture they could find of him surveying the destruction. Didn't meet with any of the fucking victims. I mean, no. There's pictures of you know Obama and you know him meeting with victims of uh, Bush even back during Katrina meeting with victims like. You know, it, it's just, he just has no fucking compassion and no sense to even fake it. it it's its amazing to me. But there was a shining star in that whole disaster. Did you hear about Mattress Mac? No, I didn't hear about that. Mattress Mac is, I guess, just some guy that owns some you oh, know, yeah, furniture, yeah, the, the furniture stores. Furniture yeah, store. and I mean, some of it's high end. I mean, I saw the one sofa was like yeah, was 10 grand or something. And he opened up his store and just said, anybody who needs to come in, I mean, there were you know, military people there. There were families, you know, just lounging on all of the, the furniture in the showroom. I was like, if I'm ever going to buy a mattress and I'm anywhere near Texas, that's the guy I'm going to. And not only that, they loaded up trucks and brought supplies to people. I mean, this guy really went above and beyond. And then there's our president. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, yeah, that guy's amazing. Um, yeah. <laughs> and again, I'm sure the government didn't ask him to open his doors. He just thought, maybe I should do this since it's the right fucking thing to do. Exactly. Take a fucking hint, Joel Osteen. Um, so the other thing was, uh, apparently Mexico offered to help with Harvey like they did um, with Katrina. Uh, they sent a lot of aid and supplies. And at, as of like the other day, Trump had not responded to their public offer to help there I were firefighters lined up there were trucks yeah. there were supplies and yeah i think later i heard that governor abbott accepted on behalf of texas but i don't think the president ever actually would dare accept fucking relief from mexico because it well was and i read today that they didn't respond to canada either the canada wanted to send help what the fuck <laughs> like, what the fuck like oh do your God. damn job <laughs> He's pissed at them because he's trying to renegotiate NAFTA, and I guess this is right. his way of, you know, playing hardball. And not to say that NAFTA doesn't need to be rene renegotiated, but, I mean, he's just such a fucking child. He yeah. does not know how to handle any kind of geopolitical situation. It's unbelievable to me. Oh, my God. Well, um... <laughs> so, yeah, that, 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 was, that was interesting. Uh, another big thing that happened yesterday... Uh, fucking horrible Milwaukee Sheriff David Clark resigned, um, which couldn't happen to a nicer guy. Um, really couldn't have. I, I can't wait to ship him out of Wisconsin. I mean, I, I have the pleasure of, of living in the state where, you know, he uh, allowed the 
someone to be basically boiled alive in the shower and all of the deaths and things that happened under him. And meanwhile, he's out there in his fake military uniform with his flair, <laughs> you know, acting like he's somebody. And I don't know what happened. I mean, I know that they had been looking at him for a job in the Trump administration, and then it sounded like maybe he couldn't pass background check. There was some scandal with um, him uh, plagiarizing some materials from some of his, I guess, college work. So I don't know what all happened with that. And people are still speculating that, that there might be a position for him somewhere, maybe at a lower level with less clearance or something. But thank God he's gone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Any state that fucking... wants to take him, it's free of charge. We'll ship him out. Yeah, maybe put him in jail and fucking throw him in a scalding hot shower like he did to some of his inmates. He's a fucking piece of garbage. So for anyone that doesn't know about David Clark, I mean, look him up. The stories about him are endless. But just... He's just such an odious person. Like, you see him on CNN or any of those shows. Um, he's one of those black guys that really wants white people to like him, so he constantly talks shit about black people. Like, he calls right. Black Lives Matter... Uh, he compares them to ISIS. He calls them black slime. He's just a fucking gross person. And he thinks he's a fucking, like, cowboy. Like, he, he, he wears his fucking cowboy hat... And like you said, he wears a bunch of fake fucking medals. I don't know if you've ever seen this guy. He wears a jacket full of medals. People have zoomed in on him. All they are are like little police badges. Like they're little, they're like little pieces of flair. They're fucking fake. They're not medals. He just does it. This is like what Kim Jong-un does. He's got does. spirit. He's got yeah. spirit in me. <laughs> he does. I mean, this is what fucking Kim Jong-un does. Like he, they wear fake medals. It's like so, he, he's cosplaying as a fucking decorated yes. war veteran. You know, he's such a fucking... Well, I guess it got him center stage during the uh, Republican convention and, you know, Trump's nomination and all that. It, it got him some, some media play that he didn't have before. I don't know where he'll take it from here, but he's the darling of Republicans because he says all of the racist shit that they want to say, and he's a black guy saying it, so yeah. they feel like it, it's, you know, redeems their point. Well, I didn't say it. David Clark said it. Right. It's, it's, the, the, the black dudes that the Republicans find are just fucking unbelievable. Between him and, like, Ben Carson, this, this fucking sleepy, just goofball of a human being. The pyramids held green. Yeah, the, yeah, the pyramids were green, Silas for Joseph. I stabbed a guy once. Like, so many... <laughs> Quality characters. Yeah, but that's the funniest story of the world to me. Anyone who's listening, look up the story about Ben Carson describing how he like stabbed somebody once uh like tried to stab somebody but accidentally stabbed their belt buckle and it saved him from that he's a fucking clown an absolute clown <laughs> of a human being and he's running you know uh, <laughs> housing and urban <laughs> development so um yeah david clark uh will not be missed and i'm sure he's gonna get a job at fox news or with the trump administration or cnn because they seem to have no problem having him on despite the fucking garbage things that he says it's just musical chairs with all the networks now i mean uh tommy laren you know on fox now oh, yeah. they, she's got her own show it, i'm i'm disgusted with all of the networks none of them have any integrity no none whatsoever um and they'll have the most odious insane right-wingers on They'll never right. have a progressive on. They will fucking never even have a moderate progressive. Not even someone like Jake well, Uger, who was a fucking MSNBC host, is blacklisted for many of those shows. So it just shows you what their fucking priorities are. And in the storm coverage, actually, some people were talking about this in social media. There was an MSNBC reporter that was um, started to speak out during the storm coverage. 
about, you know, big oil and, you know, some of the things there. And as soon as they got into their spiel that, that remotely was progressive, ooh, suddenly the signal cut out and they had to switch to oh something else. Oh, my God. Else. That was fucking insane. Yeah, happens repeatedly on that network. Yeah. You know, so they had a guy on the ground in uh, Houston. He was an Al Jazeera reporter. And he was, you know, he was talking about the devastation. He was talking about how climate change certainly uh, accelerates... Um, storms and makes them worse i mean it's just you know an obvious fact when the you warm up the oceans the hurricanes intensify it's just you know it's a fact of oceanography and uh he started discussing uh basically fossil fuel and the fossil fuel industry's part in this climate change and in causing these hurricanes and in intensifying them and like the second he got going, they're like, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa excuse me, we got to cut away. Clearly there's somebody in his ear, shut him up, shut him up, cut him up, go, go, cut, cut, cut we the can't feed, have cut this. the feed. <laughs> yeah, it, it's unbelievable how fucking gross. And this is MSNBC. Don't piss off our corporate sponsors. <laughs> yeah, this is MSNBC, by the way. It, yeah, yeah, and so they're supposed to be the lefty network oh, of the, main, yeah, you know, the mainstream, and it's like, oh. The lefty <laughs> network that runs fucking ads for Boeing and Lockheed Martin and all these disgusting defense contractors. Like, if you ever wonder why we rail on the left so much or the so, the so-called left, it's because that's who, that's who these fucking people are. They're just total fucking corporate, you know, empty vessels to just be right. filled with this bullshit propaganda and whatever. The party they... is irrelevant. They just yeah preach yeah. platitudes and and report to their masters regardless. They're the, they're the party of Goldman Sachs, the fucking defense contractors and oil companies. Both parties are. So it's like. Right. Uh, um, so the, uh, another, th- you know, so while we're on the media, I did want to bring up another just excellent, uh, example of what the fuck is wrong with the mainstream media. Uh, Maggie Haberman, who's, you know, a New York Times reporter, uh, well-respected New York Times reporter, um, well, okay, so before I said, Bernie Sanders tweeted the other day, uh, glad to see Joe Arpaio, you know, uh, or, or, you know, he tweeted, I'm sorry, he tweeted something to the effect of, like, you know, it's it's disgraceful that President Trump uh, pardoned Arpaio, he deserved to be in jail, you know, the standard, you know, right take on Joe Arpaio and what a disgusting piece of garbage he is. Right. So Maggie Haberman quote tweeted that, and... Uh, said, worth noting, uh, Jane Sanders visited Arpaio's tent jails in, you know, a few years back. Essentially fucking lying and saying that Jane Sanders visited as, like, a guest of Joe Arpaio. Right, like they're all buddy-buddy. Yeah, which is just so fucking, such a dereliction of journalism. Jane Sanders visited Arpaio's jails uh, at the behest of somebody in uh, with Bernie's team to tour... uh, just how bad the living conditions were. I mean, she, she visited the tent city, which Arpaio set up in the fucking hundred and, you know, hundred plus degree heat of the Arizona desert. Yeah. Completely inhumane uh, living conditions for people. It's just disgusting. He himself referred to it as a concentration camp, just to show you how fucking awesome of a guy Joe Arpaio is. Um, And Jane Sanders was there and like, you know, horrified by this. She wanted to go there so she could kind of expose it and bring some, attention to it and Arpaio showed up kind of unannounced and she kind of confronted him with it and she's like this is like horrible what are you doing um but 
that it was a completely that, adversarial visit. It was not like they yeah, were buddy no, buddy or they not, were presenting yeah. together. Yeah, it was like a fact finding visit, and Maggie Haberman uh, just completely on purpose misreported that and made it seem like to the thousands of people who liked and retweeted that post because they fucking can't stand Jane Sanders. Right. Uh, made it seem like she was buddy buddy with Arpaio, and it's just fucking disgusting. And even like horrible like shitty neoliberals called her out for it. Even people like Matthew Chapman were like, this is <laughs> fucked up. What are you trying to do here, Maggie? Like, what are you trying to do? Um, <laughs> he then immediately tried to get Nomi Khan's fired from the DNC Unity Reform Commission. So fuck him. But um, it, it's just so disgusting. And just to give you a little context of who Maggie Haberman is, one of the things that WikiLeaks revealed was that she was the fucking darling of uh, Hillary's people. Like, they in one of the WikiLeaks emails, I think Podesta, I forget who he was corresponding with, but he said something to the effect of, um, you know, we've, gr- we've gr- grown very close with Maggie Haber, talking about getting their messaging out for the campaign. Uh, we've developed a good relationship with Maggie Haberman at Politico over the last few years. Uh, she's teed up, teed up stories for us in the past. Um... <laughs> So she would be effective at, you know, pushing out the message of this campaign. They use her to push Clinton propaganda pieces. So if they trade ever... access for favorable coverage. Yeah. And that's why they invite the, these people, their their favorites to their fancy dinners and so on. Yeah, that, that is just concrete example, a concrete example of the absolute establishment bias of the New York Times and all of these other papers of note who claim to be objective and journalistic and this is the kind of shit their top reporters are doing. They're just, they serve the interests of the party elites. And it's just like, it's and so And I guarantee vile. you what they tell themselves is, oh, this is about building relationships and that's how you get information and yada, yada. But but you can clearly see from, from the Podesta emails, the perception is that there's a trade-off happening and that, you know, they're, they're getting favorable. There's a quid pro quo happening there. Um, and yeah. it's disgusting. Yeah, and Maggie Haberman came under fire like a week earlier, and we almost talked about it on the show, but I think we didn't have time, for saying something to the effect of, well, you know, President Trump has a chance to unify the country, to reunify the country uh, with his hurricane response. Let's hope he rises to the challenge. These fucking people, man. I can't, this is the resistance. This is the resistance (laughs) that everyone's so proud to be a part of. These fucking clowns. So, you know... Anytime people like get like, oh, you're crazy to say that the New York Times or the Washington Post, which is owned by Jeff Bezos and has a six hundred million dollar contract with the CIA, by the way, uh, to say that those, yeah, I know, to say that those those papers aren't respectable and you know should be treated as you know these journalistic bastions of integrity, um, this is fucking concrete proof that they're just as corrupt as all these other shit rags like the New York Post and all these other you know papers. They just put a nice veneer of intellectualism on it. But, you know, those those Podesta emails, they were a snore. There were no real revelations. <laughs> well, there. yeah, no, they were a nothing burger. That's that's what we were told time <laughs> and time again. Um, yeah, oh, my God. They, they were a treasure trove of just disgusting corruption. Um, but, you know, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Not at all. Um, <laughs> so another big uh, thing that I saw you tweeting about, actually, this week, um, Trump rolled back the limits on cops getting surplus military weapons because uh, mm-hmm. 
you know, <laughs> if there's anything the fucking cops of today's America needed, it is uh, more tanks and grenade launchers because grenades and bayonets. That was the oh, thing. Yeah, Somebody bayonet. said, "Well, what are what are they going to do with bayonets?" You know, you know, I'm like, "Well, they're not going after white people. I can guarantee you that because they're using crowd mean... control and they're going to probably form them in a line and." Right. I'm sure somebody's going to jab out with it and be like, oh, no, the guy ran into it. Mm-hmm. I mean... Yeah, because people love to run into knives. And- yeah, no, people people tend to charge towards bayonets. That's that's what I've heard <laughs> from uh, American history. So it's just so fucking disgusting. And, like, we've seen, I mean, in Ferguson, I mean, just the way the cops just look like an occupying army. Just, you know, all these people protesting in the streets, unarmed, and they're just firing these fucking... You know. Well, and it's frustrating because they, they try with this narrative, you know, oh, crime is so terrible, but violent crime has been going down steadily for years, if yeah. you look at the statistics. So there really is zero justification for the militarization of police now. It's it's time for them to completely rethink it, you know, move to something like civilian-led policing, and instead, this country is going in the complete opposite direction. And, you know, violent crime and violence in general has been going down ever since we took lead out of gasoline, and a lot of Don't people have drawn that correlation, but nobody's actually done a, a real a, a extensive study on it. But I think that's real uh, interesting and something that some scientists should follow up on because, I mean, we know the effects of lead, uh, especially in paint, and that's why we stopped, you know, right. uh, putting it in paint. So I, it, it's very possible that the, the violence, you know, just general violence uh, of the... 60s, 70s could have been caused in part by the fact that everyone was ingesting lead. Yeah, (laughs) being slowly fucking poisoned by lead. So it's an interesting thought. (laughs) Um, And, you know, and and just not not even just in Ferguson. We saw at Dapple. I mean, they they just these these cops are just occupying forces. And, And, you know, even during the Boston bombings, when they were looking for the uh, the Boston bombers, they, you know, obviously I wanted them to find those guys, but. They were rolling this down the street in tanks, and it's not like this is the National Guard. This is right. Boston PD tank. Like this is their fucking why? Like for all you Republicans who are worried about the government trying to take your guns, you, you ain't gonna help matters by giving them fucking tanks and th- these military grade weapons that they could easily crush any kind of insurrection or rebellion with. I just so, die. I mean, all those years of everyone saying Obama was going to come to their doors <laughs> and take their guns, you know, it, it doesn't happen at all. And and instead, you know, what we're seeing is, you know, just our our police being, you know, increasingly violent and, um, you know, armed. It's frustrating. Yeah. And, you know, I, I hate to always bring it back to this, but again, this is something Obama could have done more about when he was president. I mean, this is all because of an act. And I, I forget the exact uh, bill. It's... Um, But it's a bill that essentially allows uh, military surplus weapons to be sold to police departments, Um, which is fucking disgusting in the first place that we're selling all these surplus. Just shows you what a total waste of money our defense budget is because we're just making these surplus weapons as a jobs program and then they sell them to the cops. So right. um, And he tightened the regulations on certain things like bayonets and other things. But he didn't make efforts to repeal the bill because, of course, pressure and he didn't want to be too radical and all this shit. And if he had taken real efforts to kill this uh, this act, maybe this wouldn't even be an issue. Maybe they, maybe they, right. they, they wouldn't be able to do this. And it's just, 
it's fucking crazy to me that that, that we're letting cops... I mean, the cops more than ever. And, and, like, there's so many stories that I don't even have time to end to the rundown today of just, just ex- excessive cop violence. I mean, that I don't know if you saw that thing today with the nurse who oh, got yeah. arrested. Like, fucking disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. This nurse got arrested because she wouldn't let a cop, just absolute thug of a human being, if you watch the video... Uh, illegally draw blood from a patient because the patient was not conscious and I believe was badly burned. So the patient couldn't consent uh, and the police did not have a warrant. So legally... It was completely illegal for them to, to yeah, try to it, force it, it, it and was, the nurse, rightfully so, you know, resisted it and, and yeah, I, they arrested her. And I think she had like a union rep or somebody on the phone because she was talking to the cop and the guy was like, what, why, are you, why are you threatening a nurse right now? What are you doing? And the cop got pissed that he was made to look like an idiot. And he's like, all right, that's it. I'm arresting you. And he fucking, like, grabbed her and, like, arrested her. And it's, like, so fucking disgusting. And, of course, he's on administrative leave, which is just the standard. The fact that he wasn't immediately fired, I mean, you know, whatever. I I, I don't expect this guy to be fired. He'll probably be moved to a different department or given a nice That's the part of unions that I criticize is, you know, when, when it makes it impossible to fire someone even when they're so you know, egregiously wrong when they've done so much, something so bad and yeah. it still becomes difficult to fire them. That's the part of unions that I take issue with that they need to fix. But, but you know, I, I don't even know if it's a union. I, obviously the PBA is a pretty bad union. Um, right. <laughs> but um, I don't even know if it's unions. Cause I think the police chiefs would still protect these fucking guys because they all protect their own. Like that's just right. their mentality. That, that blue line, the thin blue line, they just protect their own no matter what heinous shit they do. And again, this guy, there was five or six cops around him. No one said, no, 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 guy, don't do that. Like, let's just talk to her. We'll, we'll work this out. Nobody fucking stood up. They all just watched. So for everyone saying, oh, it's not right to say that there's a systemic problem. It's just a few bad apples. Great. I, I saw six supposedly good apples not do a fucking thing to stop this clearly illegal arrest and harassment of this nurse who literally is just trying to do her job. And you probably pulled her away from patients she was fucking working on. Well, and imagine she, she, you know, had some cojones or, you know, ovaries or whatever you want to call it, you know, imagine lots (laughs) of nurses around the country that, that, you know, don't have the courage or that that don't stand up. How much are our rights being trampled when, you know, when no one's looking and when there aren't cameras on? But yeah, it's like, why are these, uh, these other cops being like, no, 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 guys, we got to do this right. We have to get a warrant. We have to follow procedure, Um, you know, follow (laughs) the fucking law that we're supposed to enforce. I mean, these people just don't believe in rule of law, and that's why they go into law enforcement, because they can do whatever the fuck they want. It what? shouldn't just be that that one individual that is disciplined. It should be everybody that was standing there yeah. that did nothing, because, you know, they have just as much of an obligation to follow the law, and, yeah, none of them spoke up, to your point. They're so disgusting. Um well, speak, so while we're on the topic of uh, cops not doing their jobs... Uh, there was another report now out of Charlottesville <laughs> during the uh, the violence in Charlottesville. Uh, a video got released of one of the Nazi uh, protesters. Excuse me. Uh, one of the Nazi protesters. So they, they were, I guess there was like a counter-protester crowd and then the Nazis were marching and they kind of converged into this one thing. So one of the counter-protesters had kind of a... Um, like an improvised blowtorch, which was basically just a lighter and a can of hairspray, but he wasn't anywhere near this guy. He was just 
spraying it at him as like a sign of intimidation or whatever but he wasn't he was like 30 feet away from him like he was not right. threatening him or trying to burn him he was just you know it was like just a, a public, just a display yeah. yeah it was just a display and uh, you know i probably shouldn't do that don't do that but yeah. that being said this fucking nazi maniac said uh something like uh oh you're gonna try to do that to me and word and then pulled out a gun and fucking shot at the guy uh now luckily no one was hit but uh watching the video there are cops standing about 10 feet away from this fucking guy literally like 10 feet away within eyesight of the eye line of the camera don't fucking move don't do anything they're just standing there behind barricades why which why are they behind barricades? Why are they fucking behind barricades? Why are they not in between these two crap, these two right. groups of protest? It's it's fucking insane. Like that whole And yet when you compare that to the reaction of people doing ceremony and praying at Standing Rock and the way that they went after those people, those those peaceful people, yeah, yeah. you know, with Back rubber bullets and, and all of those other weapons, it, it blows my mind. Yeah, and you know, and it and it just it harkens me back to the the stuff I was talking about at the top of the show about the labor movement and how violently they were crushed. And it's like when you do anything that stands up to powerful, uh, the powerful are corporations. They fucking break your neck. But if it's you know you're fighting with other Americans or just other people, you if no matter how hateful or violent they are, well. Who gives a fuck? You know, we're, we're, we're only here to protect the interests of corporations and the elite. So it, it's and so white dis- people, apparently. Yeah, and white people. It's so disgusting. I mean, what the fuck? And of course, their response, I'm sure, when they get their official union response, will be like, oh, well, we didn't, the cops didn't hear it. They're 10 feet away. There's no way they didn't hear a fucking gunshot. I mean, you can see them in the. You know, it's just even watching. Yeah, it's just disgusting. So there's no excuse when you juxtapose these kinds of events when you show the reactions to people of color, and then you show the reactions with with white people. There, there's zero excuse for it. Yeah, there's no excuse. So, um, <laughs> uh, another just fucking mind blowing thing uh, to happen this week. Uh, regarding the Charlotte protests, because it, it, it went from, uh, you know, immediately after the protests, Trump came out and did that whole both sides bullshit where he compared the peaceful counter protesters and Antifa with the Nazis who literally murdered somebody at this rally. And everyone, including all the establishment Democrats, came down on him and were like, oh, how dare he say this stuff? Well, it only took about a week to get from that to uh, Antifa are vegan ISIS, according to just absolute shitheel of a human being Trevor Noah. Like, I, I can't stress enough how fucking unfunny this moron is. I, he, look, I know you're not. he's not from this country, and I'm never one to be like, oh, you don't know blah, 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 because you're not from this country. Comedy is supposed to speak truth to power and punch up. Right. He spends his entire fucking show... Punching down, punching left, and literally giving, make, essentially trying to make uh, resistance to oppression seem comical and seem like a silly thing. Like that's that seems to be the mission of the Daily Show now, which is just fucking disgusting to me. Because I miss John Stewart. Oh <laughs> I mean, God, you I can criticize him, so him for being, you know, whatever, but I I miss him because he. His diatribes, his rants, he was always so on point. And... He would never fucking say something like this. This is, just, this is disgusting to call fucking Antifa, who are the only ones there protecting 
people from further Nazi violence. I mean, we already saw, you know, what they did to that guy in the parking lot. I mean, these people were fucking maniacs. And Antifa, you know, whatever these idiots say about them, were the only ones there on the front lines defending them while, you know, you guys were at home eating sheet cake. So I don't want to hear this <laughs> fucking nonsense about Antifa. You know, at first, and of course, they always, the, the establishment always conflates uh, black block protesters with Antifa. And they're just not the same thing. Right. Antifa is an ideology. It's not a group. It's it, right. It's anti-fascist is what it stands for. Period. Right. Yeah. So if you're anti-antifa, you're pro-fascist because you're anti-anti-fascist. So just think about that next time you hear some idiot like Trevor Noah say things like, uh, you know, antifa or vegan ISIS, and and just compare and like say that they're they're harmful because it it's fucking meaningless and it's just him serving his corporate overlords, which is fucking gross. Yeah, I always just feel like whenever there's discussion of Antifa that that it is such a loose network of groups and, you know, from one to the next, they can have, a, you know, a different way of being from from groups that simply defend, you know, people who are protesting to others that, um, you know, are more radicalized that, you know, do go out and damage property and, and other things like that. It's not uh, one one size fits all group. It's, you know, like you said, it's it's an ideology. And there are subgroups within it and bad actors and good actors. And the idiots, again, on the left who, who criticize them are doing the right's work for them because what they're doing is giving them another Black Lives Matter. Black right. Lives Matter is a fucking great premise and a great organization. And anytime one black person contribute and does anything remotely violent, the right now blames on Black Lives Matter. Well, by the left criticizing Antifa or Antifa as these violent extremists you're giving them a fucking gift anytime there's any violence whatsoever in in response to oppression there's gonna be like oh look at these violent alt-left antifa maniacs this is what the left does like yeah great so this the, thanks again fucking joanne reed and Joe. well Walsh and if you for, want to label a terrorist group you know look at these subgroups it, you can't antifa as one you know it, it doesn't exist so no, you know if you want to look at subgroups that's something different but yeah but, you know, the government, any, anyone that opposes them they or, or, or is not to their liking, they'll label a terrorist. I mean, and we've right. already seen, thanks to, you know, Obama essentially repealing habeas corpus, if they label you a terrorist, they can throw you in prison and, and you know, lock you in prison and throw away the key. They, they don't no have to charge asked. you. Yeah. They don't have to give you a trial. They can hold you indefinitely until you fucking die. So, you know, if you're cool living with that in that world... Uh, I don't know what to tell you, but I mean, yeah, you know, the, they, they, they call the juggalos terrorists. So the, the, the government is fucking, you know what they really are. So. <laughs> hey man, the juggalos are fine. The juggalos are, are with us uh, uh, standing up against Nazis. So <laughs> mad props to them. You know, I, I, I think ICP is fucking horrible, but <laughs> juggalos are right in my book as, as a group. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> I'm half, I'm half tempted. It would just be way too much editing work. But I'm half, half tempted every time we talk about uh, anti Antifa to just dub in Trumping like Antifa, like instead of <laughs> instead of us saying it. But it, it would just be way too much too work. Much editing. <laughs> but, oh my god. Um. So. So speaking of Trump, the other thing he did this week. So. Uh, he was asked why he pardoned Arpaio on a Friday, you know, like when this massive hurricane was fucking ravaging Houston and 
people were losing their lives trying to escape it. His response was fucking baffling. Like, I, I just can't stress enough how baffling this response was. I don't know if this is, like, his internal monologue and he let it slip or, like, what possibly possessed him to say this. But he no goes, filter. Yeah, he, he was just like, oh, well, you know, I figured there'd be better ratings because of the storm. So uh, that's why I, I did it on Friday. Like, who, who, who runs who their presidency based on fucking ratings? I mean, I, I guess people that elected him should have known that he viewed this as one giant season of The Apprentice, right? Well, no, he's been firing somebody every week, so he clearly does. I mean, it's just... I really... I, I question his, his mental faculties, and I know I know that's, like, the vogue thing to do for, you know, the people on the left who don't want to criticize their own party, but I, 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 some of these things, it just amazes me that he doesn't realize how dumb it is to say that... And, you know, you have John Kelly sitting in the corner just be like, oh, my God, I'm fucking, what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> what the fuck did I do to my career? Why would I do this? <laughs> immediately regret this decision. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, yeah, he's just such a buffoon. Um, so, you know, just a couple other quick things I wanted to wrap up for the week. The um, DNC fraud lawsuit got dismissed. Uh, this week, <laughs> more more great news, um, which so, we knew would happen, right? We yeah. we knew that the the argument, you know, held some merit that it was a, a private entity, right? That they could truly Legally, do what they yeah. wanted. Yeah, and um, I, and I, well, I've had but this, still this, just shocking. Yeah, and I've had this discussion with a lot of people, and I'm like, look, legally, I understand that the judge it would be really tough to rule for the plaintiffs in this case, because it's tough to tell a private organization that they should do something. Now, the two counterpoints to that are, they're one of the two major political parties in, in America. They should not be a private organization. Yeah, they should be accountable to the American people, and they should be transparent in their operations. Um, the number two Which is, is where I completely unite with Dem exit people that are just like, you know what, fuck them. <laughs> No, I mean, I, it, it's hard not to think that, especially after their lawyer in court said that they had no obligation to hold a fair primary and to not disadvantage one candidate. I mean, it's just fucking disgusting. Even the GOP doesn't do that. <laughs> no, no, of course not. And because, yeah, well, GOP, for all the shit they do, don't even have superdelegates. So, right, right. Um, Democratic Party has less democracy in their primary process, believe it or not. <laughs> and um, so... The other thing is, like, even if this was never going to go to trial and we were never going to see people like Debbie Wasserman Schultz get deposed, which would have been fucking great. I would have loved to have seen that and her actually oh, yeah. answer under oath for some of this <laughs> stuff. But, um, because she's super evasive and super good at evading questions, but I don't think she would have been able to talk her way out of that. <laughs> um, but, I mean, it's just so valuable that this lawsuit occurred just for the fact that we have the DNC lawyer on record saying these things. And, uh, you know, <laughs> we'll, we'll yeah. see what happens from this, but I, it, it, it is disappointing. I, I was Anyone hoping. that ever sends them a check again, you know what? You, you, you know, you know <laughs> you where your money's you going, yeah. yeah. And, you know, from the evidence, no one is sending them checks because their fundraising is as low as it's ever been. It's as low as it was in 2003, which, if you remember... 
was, you know, right at the start of the Iraq war when the Democrats were fucking walking hand in hand with George W. Bush, walking us right into a preemptive bullshit war on yeah. false, pre false pretenses. So, you know, turns out the American public doesn't love it when you act like Republicans, Democrats. Just, just fucking, you know, I, I, I hate to burst your bubble, but... Well, and it's an interesting time because, you know, we've had this two-party system for so long and everybody's been, you know, wanting to see a viable third party. And, you know, the, the parties themselves have made it so difficult in, in so many states to to mount a viable third party campaign. But with the Democratic Party now so weakened, if somebody like Bernie did want to, you know, did go along with a draft Bernie or some kind of a populist or people's party, I mean... If there was ever a chance in U.S. politics for a, a new party to emerge from from the dust, this is it. This is the time, and 2020 is the year. Yeah, no, and he could do it. And I really hope uh, that if he decides to run again, and it, and the Democratic Party makes it clear that they're going to try to disadvantage him again, to use the DNC lawyer's term. <laughs> Um, because he's not a Democrat. <laughs> he's not even a Democrat. He's not even a Democrat. Bernie Sanders isn't even a Democrat. Yeah, well, he can't. He campaigns more for your shitty candidates than any of the other Democrats. So they love to use what, him to fundraise. And what, they... what does that say about your party? Yeah, really. <laughs> and at, actually, that's his best fucking quality. That he's not even a Democrat. Yeah, that's why he's the most popular politician in America because everyone loves him. Um, to that point. Um. Bill Maher, another one of my just absolute favorite people in the world, um, just, I don't know what the fuck happened to him. Even during the primaries in 2015 and, like, early 2016, he, like, expressed support for Bernie. Like, that, he, he made it seem like he was more in line with his positions, but something about... You know, he got his mind right, basically. I mean, he's just the absolute... <laughs> he had a talking to. <laughs> yeah, he's just the absolute fucking smear, smear extraordinaire of the left. And he, in his new rules segment, or his closing speech or whatever, and at the end of his... I don't even watch this shitty show anymore, but I did watch this segment. He just repeated, again, a fucking bullshit smear about the Bernie supporters. About, um... He, uh, again, what he said is not untrue, but he mischaracterized it. So he said, well, you know, 11% of Bernie Sanders supporters voted for Trump in the primary, making it seem like, you know, Bernie Sanders supporters are the problem and the right. problem with the party. Well, of that group, only 2% identified as strong Democrats. Right. So the rest of them were either lean Democrat independents or Republicans, which to me... Uh, says Bernie Sanders gets voters from all blocks of life because he fucking speaks to them on an economic level. And it's which just, they're terrified of. Which the yeah. Democrats are fucking terrified of. And it's just absurd to me because exit polls showed that 25% of Hillary voters voted for fucking John McCain. Primary voters <laughs> in 2008 that voted for Hillary voted for John McCain. So all the, all the fucking people who try to cite that, like, that 10% of Bernie's supporters who voted for Trump could have swung the election. Yeah, they weren't the fucking Democrats. They, they, the Democrats didn't know their fucking vote to begin with. They voted for yeah. Bernie because he spoke to them. And well, most people, of them were Republicans or independents. Independents are the ones that decide elections. And people need to just get over this, this concept that, you know, I think it's a small minority of people that are, you know, true blue all the way or, you know, a Republican ticket all the way. The truth is a lot of people, you know, it's a pendulum. They switch back and forth. And that's why our country keeps switching that way. If you want to look at 
you know, who you should be supporting. It should be who has the greatest appeal to independence. Guess who that is? The most popular politician in the country, Bernie Sanders. Yeah, weird. Um, <laughs> and, and, and it just makes me fucking crazy because I'm like, 25% of Hillary supporters uh, voted for John McCain. What does that tell you about Hillary's policy and John McCain's policy and how they're not that far apart? I mean... Well, it frustrates me online because so many Hillary supporters are like, yeah, but, you know, after the primary, you know, everybody should have, you know, turned around and, and voted for Hillary. Okay, so <laughs> next time around, is that what you would do? Are you yeah. going to, if it's Bernie, are, are you going to support him? No, you're all like, never Bernie. So don't get on me for being now, never Hillary. Yeah, and, and again, but even back then, they had a name. They were called Pumas, you know, party unity my ass. So it's just so fucking... Everyone shows those videos of Mitch McConnell saying one thing and then doing the total opposite, like saying about, you know, like uh, about how how we they should oppose Obama's every move and then being talking about how Trump's faced an unprecedented level of opposition. Well, you could do the same thing with Hillary talking about how people were trying to push her to get out of the race uh, back in 08 and how ridiculous it was and how Bill didn't clinch the primaries until the California election or the California primaries and it's just so fucking, they're so, they're, they're so yeah. hypocritical. It's disgusting. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> I, I am not fucking hopeful for 2018 or 2020 because this shit is just accelerating. It, it's just, Trump has been the, the fucking accelerant, like, you know, to, to, to all of this As terrible as he is, though, the Democrats brand is so in the toilet. That's the that's what terrifies me about it. Yeah. It's it awful as much of a gift as Trump should be to Democrats and to the left. It's making them worse. <laughs> and then you've got people like Feinstein. Oh <laughs> god! <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, I, I got to mention that before we get out of here. The, oh my god! Just just such a this just I, I can't stress enough how how badly she needs to be voted out. I mean, I cannot stress enough. It's been really interesting to see a lot of establishment Democrats uh, praising uh, Republicans recently. I've seen it <laughs> on a number of occasions, and well, she was quite generous. A lot of them have been doing it with people, Republicans who criticize Trump, which I think is just a horrible alliance to begin with, because it just right. shows how flexible your beliefs are and the fact that you line up with all these neocons. But now they're even doing it with Trump, so I guess it's just, well... We're basically the Republican <laughs> Party now. <laughs> I mean, Diane Feinstein, at, she was at a town hall or some kind of event with her constituents. This wasn't like some, you know, super lefty crowd. It was just her constituents. And the guy asked her, like, about Trump and impeachment. And she was like, well, uh, you know, I... Uh, and, she, and look, I'm not trying to make fun of her. She can't even get her words out anymore. Like, retire. Please retire. You're... You're, you sh you, you should fast. be relaxing and not <laughs> sitting in front of a crowd being booed because you're so fucking shitty at your job. So <laughs> they, they asked her, like, um, about impeachment. She's like, well, you know, I, I went through that once. I don't I don't want to do that again. Like, <laughs> okay, you went through that with with a, party, a candidate from your own party. You, right. wouldn't, you wouldn't do that. And I'm, I'm not, again, I'm not a big you should impeach Trump thing because I think it's a bad tactical decision. But... Like, for her to say that is just so bizarre to me. As if, like, oh, I, I can't be, I can't deal with the stress of it. Well, then don't fucking be in Congress if you can't deal with the stress of your duties as a fucking congressperson, like, as a senator. 
And I will acknowledge, you know, having been around in D.C. back then, that was a particularly ugly time oh, yeah, in American history and in politics. So, you know, I, I get that and I get the background behind it. But that doesn't mean that when it's warranted, you, you shouldn't do it. And it's, I mean, like it was warranted tired. from day one with emoluments. It was warranted yeah. from day one on so many different issues. Of course. Yeah. Not that I want it, but. <laughs> no, I agree. And again, we, the reason we say we don't want it is because it's a bad fucking tactical decision, for me at least. I yeah. think it's a really bad tactical decision because you're just going to pencil there who's going to get all the heinous shit that you don't like that Trump's trying to pass and failing because he's an incompetent. Trump, uh, Pence is going to get that all passed because they don't, yeah. they don't, you know, they're, they're not going to resist Pence. They're just going to be like, oh, well, business as usual. Um, so they asked her about that, and she had a horrible answer. And then she's like, look, well, you know, uh, it's very likely that Trump will be around for the next four years. And uh, what she said, she was like, I, I just hope that he can learn. And I, I think that if he learns, he can be a good president. What the fuck? It, it, like, <laughs> so kind of monkey. Like, so yeah. anyone can learn, right? You fuck can it, start so can fucking nothing. Joffrey from Game of Thrones. Doesn't mean that it's going to happen. And <laughs> and so then the crowd of her constituents, this wasn't some like hostile crowd. They were like booing. And they were like, what the fuck are you talking about, you fucking crazy old bat? Like, no, we can't. Yeah, um, talk about tone down. <laughs> yeah, it's just so dumb. And she's like, look, I, look, I, I understand where you guys are coming from. And then that's like all she said. And it's like, well, I understand, but I don't give a fuck because I just, you know, I'm it's such like, a corporate oh, come stooge. On. Give him a chance. No, no, I'm not going to give him a chance. Yeah, like these people that he's fucking oppressing and trying to throw out of the country and demagoguing, like they should give him a chance to learn. Fuck off. Like she is just so in need of being voted out. It's unfucking believable. And, you know, she's got some primary uh, opponents. She's, uh, David Hildebrand's running, Topher Brennan. Pat Harris is running, so there's some options. Uh, certainly, if you're in that district, look into all of them, because I, I think they all offer um, something better than what Feinstein's offering right now. Absolutely. Any one of them I would take. <laughs> yeah, really. Um, yeah, well, you know. <laughs> Another great week. Another great week. Uh, I'm sure we'll have a bunch of more, you know, a bunch more heinous shit to report on next week, but... Um, <laughs> that that about does it for us this week uh hopefully next week we'll have some of our rebranding underway because I, I we i've been talking about how we want to change the name for a while um so again if you want to send us suggestions because we're, we're still brainstorming but uh i'm at a montarulo on twitter a m-o-n-t-e-r-u-l-o uh ladonna is at polybent p-o-l-i-b-e-n-t yep yeah, so, you know, hit us up, send us your suggestions. Uh, we'll definitely consider them because we need something that, that represents uh, the podcast and the the, the the message of the podcast a little bit more. Because I, I feel that we're not, if, if you're scrolling through iTunes and you see the name of our podcast, you won't necessarily know what we're all about. So any, anything related to that would be helpful. Um, in the meantime, please uh, rate, review, subscribe. And uh, share the podcast out with your friends. And we will see you next week on the uh, United Not Followers. And Tifa! <laughs>